0: Part two, chapter thirty eight of Ancestors, a novel by Gertrude Atherton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter thirty eight Ibsen will live not as a dramaturgist, but as the greatest professor of dramaturgy the world has ever known. Only one way left to be original never write about Italy. When we say that a man is a high type what we really mean is that he is the great exception to the type that progressive type of bore, the man with a grievance san francisco is the cradle and the grave of more genius than ever was packed into any city ancient or modern it is like our money easy come easy go and more hell an epigram is only to be forgiven when a memorable thought is packed into a phrase that sticks as Isabel and Gwynne escaped from the little Italian restaurant into the blare and glare of the street, their heads were ringing with much brilliant, if somewhat affected, talk. They had sat with their hosts at the newspaper table. It was the fashion at the moment to express life in paradoxes, and with a nice adjustment of commas and colons. There had been no talk of politics in this bohemia, nor of society nor yet of other subjects that commanded its attention when the long day gave place to the shorter night the women present were respectable many of them wives and not a few went into society when they chose there was much talk of the fads with which the world was ridden never a reference to the literature or art of the past and there was something almost pathetic in the prostration of these brilliant young men who had never crossed the boundaries of their state to european groups some of whose members were already passe but still loomed gigantic from the far edge of the pacific few american writers are popular in california however they may be read and the reason no doubt lies in the mixed blood to which all europe has contributed and which is full of affinities little experienced by the rest of the country even the famous cooking is un-american the French Italian and Spanish restaurants are exactly what they claim to be. Their very atmosphere might have been imported. The many that prefer restaurant life even to the excellent cooking to be found in the average home give their highest preference to the legacy of the Spaniard. They eat hot sauces and chili peppers with every dish, and tamales are sold on the streets. This is enough to make the San Franciscan an exotic and it contributes in a great measure to his fatal content these young men had no real knowledge of the world but they had their own world and were by no means provincial in the accepted sense but the majority were satisfied to coruscate to an ever-applauding audience for a few years with money easily got and delightfully spent to regard life as a game not as a business afterwards the rut the friendly pocket nowhere so open as in san francisco a job now and then more than one way of forgetting that in times gone by a fellow was one of those coming men the wanton heedless city turns out with the same profusion that gorges her markets and flaunts her son for eight months of the year to Gwynne they seemed like some primitive race flourishing before its time he no longer argued with them for he had the disadvantage of being a scholar and it interfered with his tolerance of fads on the rampage but they saddened him made him feel almost elderly and abominably healthy tonight although some of the complexions of these young men were green and others red they had been brilliant without undue hilarity they intended to get very drunk later on if only as a compliment to the new year but they were far too accomplished for precipitancy stone alone refilled his glass so often that gwynne announced abruptly that they were missing the fun in the street and paula promptly took possession of his arm stone followed rumbling disapproval with isabel this arrangement was not to gwynne's taste but he had developed subtlety in such matters and bided his time kearney street from telegraph hill to market street a mile or more was a blaze of light and crowded with people it was a very orderly throng for it was composed of the respectable element of the city and if they had laid dignity aside for the moment they were not distractingly noisy all were throwing confetti and many had tin horns Isabel saw the Hoffers arm-in-arm tooting vigorously half of society was there and many staid and strenuous businessmen were promenading with their wives and daughters more than one with his neck encircled by paper ribbons of many hues the street-cars had stopped but there were a number of automobiles filled with masks singling out their friends on the pavement and hurling confetti but it was not until stone and his party reached the great central highway market street that the scene was characteristic here the windows of the palace hotel and all the other buildings great and small illuminated and filled with people and the entire city would seem to have emptied itself not only into market street but into those streets on the north side that completed the all-night district the people in the windows wore their gayest attire and there was often music as well as light behind them they threw down confetti by the bushel on the masses below and the masses there was no polite restraint here Largely recruited from the immense south of Market Street district, they were out for a good time, and its inevitable expression was noise. They were in the best of tempers, but the din was terrific. They hooted and yelled, and every one of the several thousand had a tin horn, and blew it with all his might. Every undefended ear was victimized. Isabel pressed one of her own against Stone's shoulder and covered the other with her hand but she stared at the crowd with all the interest of the secluded for the mass there were painted ladies of all grades and hundreds of shop girls covered with white paint or lavender powder their figures exaggerated with the corset of the moment and violent plumage on head and waist although they had prudently left their best skirts at home many of them were astonishingly pretty and no doubt more respectable than they looked mrs paula was in her element she wore her red hat and blouse, waved her hands to the windows, exulted in the showers of confetti that descended in response, and shouted into Gwynne's ear that she was singled out for special attentions. In truth, she received more than her escort relished. The natural affinity with the class above which she had risen so high had never been more patent, and kindred spirits looked from many approving eyes suddenly both cheeks were painted black by a two fraternal hand and then a man tried to kiss her this was more than even paula could stand and she flung herself into her husband's arms daubing his shirt with black and red he dropped isabel and struck out furiously there was an immediate scuffle during which gwynne basely drew isabel's arm through his and pressed forward into the thick of the crowd we have had enough of them and no doubt they have had of us he said comfortably now we will enjoy ourselves well if they blacken my face don't notice them one would think lister would know how to play the game by this time he's always ready to fight after the fifth glass of champagne i have had lively experiences with him conversation was impossible in the din isabel's face was smudged more than once but no other liberty was attempted gwynne also looked like a chimney-sweep and was addressed as darling several times but the crowd was inoffensive until a chain-gang of hoodlums dashed irresistibly through it pushing many off the sidewalk and rousing a lurid accompaniment one man solid and stolid stood his ground on the edge of the chain and administered a hearty kick upon each ankle as it passed there were angry howls in response but none could retaliate without breaking the chain nor, indeed, could they control its momentum. "'That is one of those things one would like to have thought of oneself,' said Gwynne, admiringly rubbing his ribs, for he had hastily swung Isabel outward, and received much of the impact. "'We might as well get out of this.' They slowly made their way into one of the cross-streets that seemed to leap like a blazing meteor down from the darkness of the heights." but the crowd was still as dense, and the street but a third the width of Market Street. Not even an automobile attempted to force its way. Saloon doors were swinging. Policemen stood in front of them, but there was no further disorder. Gwynne and Isabel pressed back against the wall of a shop and watched and waited. They were to celebrate the birth of the new year with the Hoffers at a restaurant on the block above, but there was no prospect of reaching it at present the sky was cloudless if the evening chill had come in from the pacific it was routed by the mass of humanity and the downpour of heat from the electric lights all the great signs were blazing many in colours and there was music in all the saloons and restaurants it rose and fell with the noise of the tin horn and the hoot of the happy the people in the windows here threw down not only confetti but flowers and stacks at each elbow added to the mass of colour even the men had tied bright silk handkerchiefs about their necks, and they were bestrewed with bits of gold and silver paper, and festooned with colored ribbon. Gwyn and Isabel were quickly singled out and pelted with balls that opened with the impact and tangled them together with the endless paper streamers. It was eleven o'clock before the crowd began its retreat to their restaurants, and Gwyn and Isabel were able to make their way up to the celebrated resort where the hoffers awaited them they were shown to a dressing-room where they could wash their faces and then to the gallery above the body of the restaurant which was divided into boxes and occupied by all sorts and kinds of people including many of their friends in hofer's box was a large bottle on ice and a table set for supper mrs hofer looking less approving than earlier in the evening sat half hidden by a curtain but her husband in common with most of the other people in the gallery was throwing confetti upon his friends below he seized Gwynne and dragged him to the front of the box and the new arrival was greeted by shouts from every man it seemed to him that he had met in san francisco the large hall with its tables of all sizes was as densely packed as the streets had been ever seen anything like this before demanded hoffer he paused with a gasp and dislodged a ball of confetti from his throat look with all your eyes old man there are the best and the worst all who can pay the price the reformers cheek by jowl with the mayor and the boss by jove the matron and the other kind of matron the fair young girl who hopes to buy a rich husband and the sort that has to give more and take less the family man and his family not a bit afraid of contamination enjoying himself to the limit financiers millionaires corporation bosses and curbstone brokers newspaper men artists politicians big and little society youths and girls severely chaperoned see that crowd with the queens of the tanderloin ever hear what one of our local wits said about them pity the worst of men should be named for the best of fish hoffer who felt it his duty as a good citizen to empty his bottle with the rest of the world on new year's eve rattled on mrs hoffer gave an occasional warning cough like most san francisco women of her class there was a good deal of prudery under her gaiety and no instinct whatever for bohemia she had come to the restaurant because her husband had urged it but she took no part and threw only an occasional glance at the floor but as isabel was manifestly interested she presented her arm and hat to the gaze of the crowd that her guest might partake in the doubtful fun if she wished Isabel and Gwynne, still tangled in the paper streamers and vigorously pelted from below, leaned eagerly over the railing and flung hands full of gold and silver bits upon the already glittering throng. It certainly was an astonishing sight. There was little seeking after inconspicuousness, even in the boxes. All were there to celebrate the birth of the new year, and to play the game, however chastened they might feel on the morrow all were drinking champagne and growing more hilarious every moment one girl modestly dressed and known to mrs hofer as an entirely respectable young person although not of her own class was sitting on the knee of the man she was to marry and drinking from his glass the ladies of the lower ten thousand were nicely graded some were dressed with a severe and simple elegance and painted as delicately as a miniature these were very quiet the carven smile on their crimson lips, not disturbing the careful arrangement of their features, and their eyes never lost their jewel-like immobility. They were attended by what is vaguely known as men-about-town, men with money to spend and no position to lose. It was no longer the fashion among conspicuous men to flaunt their mistresses, but these indefinite persons kept the old traditions alive. Still other women blazed with paint and jewels and excessive richness of attire, in attendance were the big, sleek brutes, whom all other men held in contempt, but all were happy to-night, and asking no man for his respect. At a table in the very middle of the room was a young, buxom, and very naughty-looking damsel, who evidently was a belle. The circle of black coats about her round table was unbroken, save by herself. What dress she wore was black, and on her golden head was an immense black hat covered with feathers her abundant diamonds were almost overwhelmed every time one of her escort raised his glass to his lips he toasted her and she rose to respond presumably to give the company the benefit of the tiny waste that tapered off the white acre above she was irreverently hooted but imperturbably rose and fell like a jack-in-the-box hofer finally sat down to supper with his guests but they had barely finished when every clock in town began to boom the midnight hour and there was a wild ringing of bells all over the city downstairs one of the young men ran to the orchestra whirled the leader from his seat flung off his own coat and led the crashing music with a tin horn Hoffer and Gwynne went to the front of the box glasses in hand all below had sprung to their feet and were waving and clicking their champagne glasses singing cat tooting cheering even Isabel and mrs Hoffer leaned forward in the turmoil they did not notice that the young woman in the centre of the room was standing on her table her befeathered head flung back draining her glass but they turned just in time to see one of her admirers rifle her bodice and wag his trove at the company this is too much cried mrs hoffer furiously and running to the back of the box nicholas i insist but nicholas was enjoying himself immensely and paid no attention Isabel had been about to follow Mrs. Hoffer when she lost her breath and nearly fell over the edge of the box. Lady Victoria, accompanied by a man who was unmistakably a pugilist, had entered by a side door. Isabel's brain seemed to eliminate every thought it had ever possessed and hurriedly to remodel down to one agonizing point. The pair were endeavoring to force their way forward to a table that evidently had been reserved for them, Gwynne was leaning over the railing, drinking to Mr. and Mrs. Trenahan. In a moment, his interested eyes would rove over the crowd again. Isabel suddenly fell on him, bearing him backward. "'Take me out! Quick!' she gasped. "'I am horribly ill!' Gwynne, grasping his hat, was fairly borne out of the box. As Isabel was ghastly and trembling, he assumed that she was really ill, and made no protest, but half carried her down the stair. They attracted no attention— and reached the sidewalk in a moment. If we can only find a carriage, he said solicitously, you can never walk up those hills. What an atmosphere that was. I don't wonder you came a cropper. I hope the hoffers won't mind. Nobody minds anything. She took his arm and they walked up the street. The bells were still ringing, horns tooting, but the street was comparatively empty. At the corner, a Salvation Army Corps was singing hymns to a flabby and penitent congregation just beyond was a row of hacks awaiting the weary reveller and in a moment gwynne and isabel were driving rapidly along a dark and deserted street do you feel better he asked she did not answer for a moment afraid of breaking down gwynne was sure to offer prompt consolation and even if he assumed the brotherly attitude she had no wish to be taken in his arms in spite of herself his calm reiteration that he intended to marry her had forced its seed into her brain, for ideas projected from bold, determined minds are insistent things. But never had love, and all connected with it, been so hateful to her as at this moment. He peered into her face. "'You are not going to cry,' he exclaimed. "'You!' "'No, I am not. But I never was so nearly overcome. Such noise, such sight, such heat! It was too bad to take you away, though.' Shall you go back not I may I smoke we shall be an hour reaching the base of our cliff at this rate He is apparently going out to the cemeteries under pretence of avoiding the hills He elevated his feet to the opposite seat and lit a cigarette I wish my mother had come home before we left It was a pity for her to miss this even if she would not dine with us. I could have returned for her i saw her in the crowd with a party of people i might have told you but my mind has been in as many pieces tonight as a bag full of confetti i am sure she has seen it all good it is what you might call a trifle variegated but not to be missed great old town this no wonder they think california is the world out here it is what they say of the london flats self-contained i like hoffer better than ever the man whom champagne transformed into a big silly boy is the right sort is there really a work-a-day world a city to reform and two ranches up the valley End of chapter thirty eight